Before we begin this week's show, I have a special announcement. Today is Father Mike Cantor's birthday. Infinite thanks, blessings, and love to Father Mike Cantor for all that you are and for all that you do. We can't thank you enough. We wish you a very happy birthday and many, many more. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? Thank you all so very much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, infinite thanks for finding us. It is my deepest hope and prayer that you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here with us and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for always coming back for more. You are the reason why this show is here. Wow, it's hard to believe it's episode 18 already of season three. Where did this season go? It's just, to me, it seems like it's just flown by. And I guess that's great because, I mean, that means we're moving and grooving and we're having a great time aren't we? <laughs> no worries, though, because as soon as season three is ending, season four begins the following Sunday. So we're not missing a beat. We're just going to keep on moving and grooving. So this week, we're going to be talking about St. Andre Bassett. Now, I want you to keep that name in the back of your mind uh, as we go through the show, because he should sound familiar. He was mentioned in a previous show, very briefly, but he was mentioned in a previous show. So give it some thought and let's see if you can remember what show St. Andre Bassett was mentioned in. So St. Andre Bassett was born Alfred Bassett, and he's also known as Brother Andre. So for the most part, we'll be referring to him, you know, as we go through his history, as his names were at that time. So Alfred Brissett, Brissett, excuse me, was a lay brother of the Congregation of Holy Cross and a charismatic figure. He was born on August 9th, 1845, yeah, a few days ago, in the parish of St. Gregory Mont St. Gregory, Lower Canada, son of Isaac Bassett and Clothilde Foisy, C-O-L-T-H-I-L-D-E. Now, there's an interesting name. Um, he passed away on January 6th, 1937. And of course, January 6th is his feast day for any of those playing at home, the Roman Catholics who really loved feast days. And even those who aren't Roman Catholic, you don't have to be Roman Catholic to celebrate people's feast days. I do it all the time, even for uh, past loved ones. I like to celebrate their birthdays and I like to, um, you know, do 
like life offerings to them for their on their passing anniversaries. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you don't have to be Roman Catholic. But anyway, again, for those playing at home, January 6th is his feast day. And he passed away in Notre Dame de la Espérance Hospital in Villa Saint Laurent, Montreal, Canada. And um, as you can tell, um, he was from the French speaking part of Canada and absolutely love Canada. And everybody listening from Canada, thank you all so much for tuning in. And I hope I don't slaughter the French language too badly. So Alfred Bessette was the ninth of 13 children, four of whom died in infancy. He was so frail when he was born that the cure baptized him conditionally the following day, completing an emergency ritual performed at his birth. In the fall of 1849, Isaac Bessette sold his property in St. Gregory and bought a parcel of land nine miles to the southeast of Farnham near the Riviera Yamaska. As the father of a family living in poverty, he worked at various trades, joiner, carpenter, uh, Cooper, Cartwright. On the 20th of February, 1855, a tree he was chopping down fell on his chest and killed him. Left alone with her children, Clothilde made sure they had a Christian education and passed on to them the traditional veneration of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Still suffering from the shock of her husband's death, she wasted away and died of tuberculosis on the 20th of November, 1857. So within less than two years, um, Alfred lost both of his parents, and then it was just him and, and his siblings. Alfred was only 12 years old at the time of his mother's passing. He was taken in by his maternal aunt, Marie Rosalie, and her husband, Timothy Nadeau, who lived in St. Césaire. He took lessons in catechism and was confirmed by the first bishop of St. Hyacinth, Jean Charles Prince on the 7th of June, 1858. Because of his poverty and delicate health, his studies were cut short. He would only be able to sign his name and read printed characters. To earn a living, Alfred worked at transporting construction materials. When his uncle Timothy set out for California in search of gold in 1860, the mayor of St. Césaire, Luis Omet, took the youth in to work on his farm. After that, Alfred engaged in various trades in Farmham, St. Jean, Waterloo, and Chamberlain. In 1862, he was back in St. Césaire, employed as an apprentice baker and cobbler. This wide variety of work experiences did nothing to improve his condition. According to witnesses, he could not digest anything, but he was always praying. Since his early childhood in Farmham, Alfred's behavior had worried his acquaintances. In spite of his weak condition, he denied himself dessert and he wore a leather belt 
studded with iron points around his waist. He would kneel in prayer frequently, intensely, and for long periods of time. He could be found with his arms stretched out at his sides in front of a crucifix at church, in his room, or in a barn. So as we see young Alfred, like so many other saints, um, St. Faustina pops in my mind for whatever reason is in comparison to him uh, with the health issues. But, um, you know, here he is with all these health issues, but yet he's doing mortifications. And we've covered this in previous shows. Those of you who uh, have been longtime listeners know that, you know, this was something that was quite popular in the 1800s and very early 1900s uh, where people would do harm to themselves and as forms of penance for their sins um, you know again I have said and talked about this quite a bit so I won't go into detail but I, I totally disagree uh, with mortifications there's so many other ways to atone for your sins um, you know I always recommend people help somebody else you know if you've you know harmed somebody in a certain way or you say you've stolen something from somebody, then, you know, try to give to someone, um, you know, that like which you had stolen, you know, do something to help people. Um, that's the best way to atone, I personally feel, for your sins. You don't and you shouldn't cause yourself personal and physical harm because that's a total deterrent for what you're supposed to be doing in life. You're supposed to be learning, growing, evolving, um, and sticking around for as long as you can, not just for yourself, but for everybody else, because we all need each other. We need you. You need us. We all need each other. Hoping to find work fitting his constitution, excuse me, Alfred took the train to New England in October 1863. Thousands of his compatriots, attracted by its prosperity, had gone there already, including some of his brothers, sisters, and acquaintances. The young 18-year-old, who found factory work almost more than he could bear, shifted between jobs in cotton mills and work on farms. He was hired in Connecticut, Moosop, Putnam, Hartford, and Killing in Massachusetts, Northeastern, and Rhode Island, Phoenix. Alfred was reserved by nature and worn out after a day's work would shut himself up in his room and pray. After looking for suitable work for four years without success, Bassett returned to Canada in 1867 and settled in Sutton, where his sister Leo Cadi or Leo Cadi and his brother Claude lived. He soon went back to Farnham, where the local priest, Edward Springer, hired him to take care of his horse and garden and do difficult chores around the presbytery. When Springer moved to another parish in 1868, Bassett went back to live at the home of Louis Omet in St. Césaire. Noticing his piety, Omet mentioned it to his curé, Andre Provincal. When questioned about his desire to enter the religious life, Alfred pleaded that he was too ignorant. Abbey Provincial overcame his reluctance by assuring him 
that he would find the prayerful environment he needed and useful work in the congregation of Holy Cross, which the priest had put in charge of a school in his parish in 1869. On the 22nd of November, 1870, Bassett showed up at the College Notre Dame in Côte de Sineris, Montreal, where the Congregation of Holy Cross had recently opened its novitiate. Provincial had written a letter of recommendation the previous month to the Master of Novices, Julian Pierre Gastonal, telling him that he was sending a saint to his community. On the 8th of December, Pope Pius IX declared St. Joseph to be the patron saint of the Universal Church. On the 27th of December, Bassett took the name of André in honor of Father Provincial, and he and another postulant donned the religious habit. He was appointed the school's doorman, a position he would hold until mid-July 1909. So there's a clue of who or how and when we have previously heard of St. Andre Bassett. Dorman, who in the past have we talked about on the show and had shows on <laughs> who were Dorman? He also had to keep the premises clean, do the shopping, and give alms to the poor. In addition, he acted as barber and as nurse to sick students, handled the mail and transported parcels for the students, whom he sometimes accompanied on the days when they went on outings. The congregation's superiors hesitated, however, to accept him into the religious life in 1872 because of his poor health. When Bassett had a conversation with Bishop Ignace Bourgeau, who had himself brought the congregation to Canada, he was reassured. Soon afterwards, the new master of novices, Amidi Guy, recommended him by saying, if this young man becomes unable to work, he will at least be able to pray well. Permitted to take his temporary vows on the 22nd of August, 1872, Brother Andre made his final vows on the 2nd of February, 1874, at the age of 28 years and six months. So here we see that um, Brother Andre did not want to necessarily go into the religious line of work. Uh, yeah, he definitely wanted to, but he didn't feel adequate because he didn't know how to read or write. Um, his education was extremely limited and his health was very, very fragile. Uh, but infinite blessings to these people who saw past that in the the awesome person uh, the provincial who sent him to these to this seminary with a letter saying you know this guy he's i'm sending you i'm sending a saint to your community you know he saw that uh you know brother andre was going to be a saint that's just wow amazing it's so so good 
Some of the visitors whom Brother Andre as Dorman welcomed at the school asked him to pray for them in their illnesses. Others invited him to visit them at home. He would pray with them and give them a medal of St. Joseph, to whom he had early sworn a particular veneration, as well as a few drops of olive oil that was burning before the saint's statue in the school chapel, advising them to rub it on themselves confidently. More and more people began declaring that they had been entirely or partly cured in this way. The first known account, written by Desiree Miguel Garadu, named Brother Alderic, who reported his own cure as well as that of several others, was published in Paris in 1878 in the Annals of the Association de Saint-Joseph. The little brother's reputation he was barely five feet tall as a saintly miracle worker spread by word of mouth. The school authorities eventually began to worry about the growing flood of visitors. Parents, colleagues, and even the school's physician complained to the town's religious and health authorities about the presence of sick people so close to the students. Some called Brother Andre a charlatan, a mere anointer. Around 1900, he was asked to see the sick in a shelter that had been built across from the school at the streetcar stop for the students' parents. He took his visitors to pray before a statue of St. Joseph that he had set up in a niche on Mount Royal, the land which had been purchased in 1896 by the College Notre Dame was named Park St. Joseph. The lower part was cultivated and the upper part was used for recreational purposes. Brother Andre's cherished project was to build a chapel to St. Joseph there. With the support of his friends, a number of whom had had their wishes granted after praying with him, he finally obtained permission to build it. The school authorities and Archbishop Paul Bruchesi of Montreal stipulated, however, that any expenses incurred should be borne by those seeking help. Thanks to spontaneous donations in cash and in kind, for example, statues, vases, liturgical vestments, a bell, the rudimentary sanctuary was inaugurated on the 16th of October, 1904. From 1905 to 1908, the celebration of the Ascension Thursday and a September procession marked the opening and closing of the pilgrimage season. After meeting a number of times in 1907, the zealous supporters of St. Joseph Oratory constituted themselves a committee on the 9th of September, 1908, naming it the Comité del Orator St. Joseph de la Cotres Negis. The flood of pilgrims was so great that the chapel would have to be enlarged four times between 1908 and 1912. Each time the generosity of the public would make it possible to pay for the work in full and on time. The committee remained in existence until mid-July 1909, when the authorities of the College of Notre Dame took over the administration of the oratory with Brother Andre as its custodian. A religious association, the Conferre de Saint-Joseph du Mont-Royal, 
was officially constituted by Archbishop Brucesi on the 21st of November, 1909, and it included laity, both men and women, friends of Brother Andre, and contributors to St. Joseph's Oratory and its works. They were convened by the rector of the oratory, Provincial Superior George Auguste Dion, for an hour of prayer on the third Sunday of every month at 3 p.m. This was the occasion for reporting on the affairs of the sanctuary, letters received, requests for prayers, or masses, cures, various small items about the development and activities of the oratory. By 1910, Brother Andre had a secretary to answer the mail addressed to him. If I could, folks, I just want to pause for just a second and apologize. If you hear a cricket in the background, uh, he's a spectator. Uh, he's listening to me recording the show, so there's absolutely nothing I could do or would do. I mean, he, he's a living being like everything else and like us, so I'll just leave him be, and he can cricket all he wants. I just hope it's not aggravating or upsetting anybody if you hear him in the background. So, St. Cricket in the background, pray for us. <laughs> in 1912, the board of St. Joseph's Oratory was organized. It consisted of three priests and three Holy Cross brothers, including Brother Andre. The monthly magazine, Analyse de St. Joseph, began publication in Montreal that same year. Its purpose was to promote the veneration of St. Joseph, publicize the work of the oratory and the missions of the congregation of Holy Cross in Bengal, and comment on social concerns of the day. An English edition would come out in 1927. A team of brothers and priests wrote articles and columns. A group of selected authors, such as Félix Leclerc, Guy Moffet, Alfred de Rochers, François Gaudet Smith, and Marie-Antoinette Grégoire Copal, as well as the illustrators Edmund Joseph Masquiat, Jacques Gagnier, and Guy Laflamme, or Laflamme, would add their contributions later. The magazine was still being published in early 21st century under the name of Le Orateur. From 3,600 in 1912, the circulation would grow to 122,000 in 1932. So isn't this something? I mean, this was a dream of his to build this oratory at the top of this mountain or hill. And, you know, of course, you know, the, the college or, or the monastery gave him the okay to do it as long as, you know, it was publicly funded. And he did that in spades. I mean, as they said, it grew so quickly that they had to expand the place four times over a course of a very short period of time of years. And it's just, wow. I mean, and then now, <laughs> as we see, which is good, I guess, but all these people jumping on board to um, manage, to run, to do this, to do that. And it's great that he had the help because, you know, he was very limited in his skills and knowledge and, of course, his health. Um, so it's great that these people, you know, jumped in that they did. It's just it would have been nice if they would have all like been on board with him at the beginning. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. There was a growing stream 
of visitors in the sanctuary in 1913 under pressure from lay people and with the encouragement of the Arch of Archbishop Brucesi, a proposal for a basilica was set in motion with plans drawn up by architects Luis Alphonse and Dalbe Villal. The funds needed to finance the construction of the crypt some $80,000 had already been raised through donations from the faithful construction began in 1914 and the crypt the first stage of the project was inaugurated in the 16th of December 1917 but less than a year later the sanctuary which could seat 1000 proved too small here we go again the number of visitors continued to increase throughout the 1920s during which time in accordance with the wishes of the archbishop and the co-juctor bishop Georges Gautier, the sanctuary became the center of the religious activities of the archdiocese. Associations of every kind, social movements, Catholic trade unions, religious confraternities, got into the habit of making pilgrimages, excuse me, pilgrimages and holding gatherings there, which drew thousands of people. Annual visits to the oratory were organized in parishes and educational institutions. Okay, and just to back up for just a teensy second, it cost $80,000 to start construction in 1914. $80,000 in 1914. Today, that would be $2,370,488. They already had that money. As soon as they talked about doing this construction, People donated and gave that instantly. That just shows you Brother Andre's, you know, just his immense blessings to people and what they thought of him. It's just so phenomenal. It's so amazing. Visitors came not only from Quebec, but also from Ontario, New Brunswick, Western Canada, and the United States. Brother Andre received them every day from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. In the evenings, friends drove him to the homes of people who were too ill to travel. Since one person alone could not answer the 200 or 300 letters he received daily, a secretariat was set up. In 1920, Brother Andre instituted the observance of a holy hour in the crypt on Fridays at 8 p.m., which soon came to be followed by a visit to the Stations of the Cross. The faithful came by the hundreds to these evenings of prayers. The idea of atonement put forward by the religious authorities to counter the threat of socialism and communism, as well as the wars in Europe, gave rise to various lay initiatives. Beginning in 1926, for example, Edward L. H. Barcelo organized a pilgrimage on foot to attend the first mass of the year at the oratory. Hundreds and then thousands of people answered the call. By 1915, Brother Andre's superiors were letting him take a short rest twice a year. He used the time to visit relatives and friends in Sutton, St. Césaire, and Quebec City, but also in the United States, especially New England, and in Ontario, Toronto, Sudbury, and Ottawa. 
His reputation as a saint and miracle worker preceded him. Station masters announced his arrival and crowds gathered as he got off the train and at the doors of the hotels or presbyteries where he was staying. Each time, cases of healing were reported in the local newspapers. He always came back with offerings given in gratitude for favors received. There was a growing popular demand that the plan for the Basilica be acted on, and in 1927, Gautier authorized a financial campaign to raise the necessary funds. Meanwhile, work continued on developing the land, building roads, parking lots, and providing service facilities. The wonders that were worked at St. Joseph's Oratory drew the attention of the press, especially the English-language papers. In 1922, George Henry Hamm, a lobbyist for the Canadian Pacific Railway Company, published in the Toronto magazine McLean's a report he had written after visiting Brother Andre and meeting people whom he was said to have healed. The article aroused so much interest that Hamm immediately followed it by publishing in the Toronto the first biography of Brother Andre, the man, the, excuse me, the Miracle Man of Montreal which was translated at once by Raoul, Raoul Clotier and published in Montreal as, oh, this is going to be difficult, La Tamaterge de Montreal. In the same year, author Saint-Pierre was commissioned to write the history of the sanctuary, La Orator Saint-Joseph du Mont-Royal, which came out in Montreal would go through numerous editions. So we see people already clamoring on writing biographies uh, about uh, Brother Andre. It's just, you know, amazing. Now, again, another clue. Who else have we talked about? Another saint that we did a show on who was a healer. He wasn't, or people did not see him as being very bright. He was chastised for that and he was known as a healer. So, so that should bring up to mind who St. Andre Bassett had met. I'll give the answer at the end of the show. <laughs> After showing a great deal of reluctance towards his project of a shrine, Brother Andre's superiors were finally won over by the sincerity, simplicity, and conviction of the man who based his cause not on any claim to the miracles or visions, but only on his veneration for St. Joseph. To this special devotion were added the love of God, constant reading of the gospel, and worship of the Holy Family and the Sacred Heart. He used to tell the story of the Passion of Christ to his intimate friends with such emotion that they were moved and transformed by it. He prayed and walked the Stations of the Cross with them, he asked them all to pray. Among those who accompanied him diligently were Jules Ame Mukotel, whom he called his counselor and who actively assisted in organizing ceremonies. Azarius Claude, a wealthy merchant who became his right hand and chauffeur, and Joseph Olivier Pichette, who at 25 had been told by his physician that he would soon die and who attributed his recovery to long prayers with the miracle worker. Years before his death, Brother Andre was already the symbolic figure of St. Joseph's Oratory.
His charisma, his smiling face, wrinkled and radiating kindness, and his simple humor could win over even the most indifferent. He showed good judgment with his visitors, but also boundless charity. He welcomed everyone who came, regardless of a social condition or religion. Although he liked to laugh, he also had moments of impatience, especially when someone gave him the credit for favors received. It is not I who heals, he would say in tears. It is St. Joseph. Alfred Bissett died on January 6, 1937. His body lay in state in the oratory, which was kept open day and night until the 12th of January. An initial funeral service was held in the cathedral in Montreal and a second one at St. Joseph's Oratory. More than a million people came from all over to pay tribute to him, to weep for him, and to pray beside him. Brother Andre was beatified by Pope John Paul II on the 23rd of May, 1982, and canonized by Pope Benedict the 16th on the 17th of October, 2010. So Brother Andre was 91 years young when he passed away. And wow, what an amazing, I mean, truly amazing being. And there are biographies on him, and I strongly recommend um, getting a biography. I'm in the process of getting one on him myself, and I definitely want to study more detail on uh, on Brother Andre, or I should say Saint uh, Andre. Um, we're going to go over some of his sayings here in just a moment. Um, I know some of you really enjoy that of me, you know, sharing some of the teachings and sayings of these saints and kind of giving my personal feedback on what I take from everybody takes something different from them. Um, but before we do, how many of you were able to guess who the person or saint was that met Brother Andre? These two people met in life, Brother Andre and blank. I'll give you a second to think about it. If you said Blessed Father Solanus Casey, you were right. In 1935, Blessed Father Solanus Casey was 65 years young, while Saint Brother Andre was 90 years young. Brother Andre had heard of Father Solanus Casey, and while he was visiting the monastery, inquired about Father Casey's whereabouts. The two men met, but were unable to engage in conversation as Father Casey knew no French and Brother Andre knew no English. However, they did the only thing they could do in one language. They blessed each other in Latin, the language of the church. Isn't that something? Brother Andre, another healer in Canada, much like Father Solanus Casey, a healer in the United States, came to visit where Father Solanus Casey was and asked for him by name at the age of 90. 
Now that was one year, just one year before he passed. Just amazing. Wow. Could you only imagine the two of them if they could have spoke the same language? But I guess being as mystics as they are, um, they didn't need communication. They didn't need language. They were beyond that. I'm sure their hearts connected immediately. That divine in both of them hugged and, and just enjoyed being together. Okay, here's the first saying of Blessed Brother Andre, or I should say Saint, excuse me. He's not, I'm getting him confused now, ain't I? Blessed Father Solanus Casey is not a saint yet, but he is in my eyes, in my heart, so. <laughs> the first one uh, by Saint Brother Andre is, it is with the smallest brushes that the artist paints the best paintings. And I believe that's very well self-explanatory is that we don't know or realize how immense our small actions are, how big our small actions are, you know, of just helping someone. We always use the, the analogy of, you know, holding a door for someone for a place that doesn't have automatic doors, um, you know, Paying somebody for it, you know, they're at the grocery, you know, like Penny Whip brought, you know, somebody's in front of you and they're a few dollars short on their grocery bill, helping them out. We don't realize the magnitude of the little things that we do for others. And that's what Brother Andre was all about, is pointing out that the little things add up. And as we see, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the little things added up to $80,000 without them even breaking ground yet um, that's how much the little things add up and we can never underestimate our impact on others and I'm not saying this this has got to be without pride or ego we've got to be humble about this humility is key you don't go around banging the pots and pans and I know you guys don't who listen to the show you're not like that but we all know people who are and that's that totally detracts from what you're doing you know you have to have what uh, Buddhists and Easterners call um, the right motivation and the right intention behind everything you do for others. You don't do it for recognition. You just do it to help. Okay, next we have practice charity with your neighbor. And this doesn't mean only to give money to the poor. There are many ways to practice charity. We could, for example, keep ourselves from examining our neighbor's conscious there is also visiting the sick who often do not need money, but who need good advice to help them get closer to God. And again, showing that, you know, a lot of us will say, you know, well, you know, I don't have the money to help. I don't have the money to donate. There's something worth more than money, and that's you and your time. Find the time to do something, even if it's like he said, for a neighbor. Um, I recently gave the analogy of or example of helping your neighbor um, cut their grass or take their trash cans to the curb and then put them back for them. You know, little things like that go such a long way. OK, what do we have next? Looking here, there is so little distance between heaven and earth that God always hears us. 
Nothing but a thin veil separates us from God. I couldn't agree with that more. And we've talked about that, especially I see this on a mystic level is that, you know, if you look, um, theologians have it broken down to where the heavens and earth overlap just as the hells overlap with earth. If you can visualize that, if not, you can go on YouTube and look them up and there's tons of videos on um, these examples and explaining this. And so we see the frequency St. Andre operated on. And it's it's true that he's pointing out that not just on a mystical level, on a real level, the divine is always within each of us and it's always right there. But we've got this impression because of lifetimes of uh, programming and influences and it's just programmed into us that the divine is outside of us and that he, the old man in the clouds, he's way, way, way far away. He's never right here with you. And that could not be further from the truth in actuality. The divine is with you and you are with the divine always. You're inseparable. You are it and it is you. And we, if we come to that realization and awakening, and again, not just in the head, but in the heart, as we talk about so often, is making that shift from the head to the heart, that you're, it, it's a life changer. It really is. You always hear people say, well, that's a game changer. Well, this is a life changer to come to that realization that you are the divine and the divine is you. As uh, Father Mike Cantor always says, we're co-creators. I completely agree and endorse that. We are co-creators. The divine allows us through our free will to co-create with it by helping others, doing for others, not just for ourselves and our families, but for others as well. We're all in this together. I know that was the whole motto of the pandemic, but it's so true no matter what is going on. We are in this life together. So those are just a few sayings of St. Andre. And uh, for those of you who aren't Roman Catholic and you're wondering who St. Joseph is that St. Andre was referring to and had the, you know, the basilica and oratory built in that person's name, uh, St. Joseph is the adopted father of Jesus Christ. Um, in the Bible. So that is the Joseph that they are referring to, or he's referring to as that is Saint Joseph, who is the father considered to be the father of all living beings. Um, so that was his big person that he always prayed to um, with Father Solanus Casey. It was uh, Mother Mary or the Blessed Mother, which was the mother of Jesus. Same with St. Padre Pio, another doorman. If you chose him as meeting those two meeting, that would have been amazing if they, they did. But there was, uh, they were all separated by the world. One was on one side of the world while the other one was on the other. Uh, but, you know, same with uh, St. Padre Pio was, you know, the, the Holy Mother, the Blessed Mother Mary, Jesus's mother. So I hope you all found this very interesting about um, St. Andre. 
Bassett and that you go out and grab a book on his biography or at least look him up online. There's also YouTube videos as well that are absolutely free to watch uh, where you can learn more about St. Andre Bassett. Such an amazing, amazing being. And don't forget to pray to St. Andre. Speaking of prayers, I'm going to read off our list this week of those who are in need of our prayers. And then I will do our closing benediction and prayer. This week's prayer requests are as follows. Mike S. is still in need of our prayers for heart conditions that he has, um, a regular heartbeat. Bob, stage two, follicular lymphoma. He had his third round of chemo a few weeks ago, and he had to have some biopsies done on his face. This week, uh, he is very, very weak. Let us please keep Bob in our hearts and prayers that his strength recovers, his health recovers, and that those biopsies come back benign. Um, we have a new person uh, requesting prayers, and that is Jill. Jill recently went through um, cataract surgery on both eyes. And as you all know, when you have the inocular lens put in, as they told me, because I've had both done, it's not a, an accurate science. So, you know, she's dealing with that. She was expecting to have good vision other than having to have to wear readers. However, that is not the case. So um, she's been quite depressed and I completely empathize with her because I still have to wear bifocals even though I've had the same surgery done. So let's please keep her in our hearts and prayers. General health and well-being and healing for Elaine, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwen, Emma, Jean, Father Mike, Clyde, and I have an update on Rachel. She had her consultation this week and she goes in for gallstone surgery on the 27th of this month. So please mark that down on your prayer calendars. And if you weren't able to keep up with all the names, there is a page now on our website, information at the end of the show, on how you can just print that out or print screen it and that way you have it anytime you need it. And what better prayer than the prayer to St. Andre for healing? Now remember folks, we can pray to these saints asking them for their intervention to to intercede for us, to help us, to heal us, or to get us healing that we need if they can't do it themselves. So this is the prayer to St. Andre for healing. And I'll, of course, have a link to this as well as the article that I just read from um, in the show notes and show descriptions. Uh, I always begin my prayers with the sign of the cross, and you guys don't have to do that. Um, it, it's completely up to you, so you'll know what I'm, I'm doing here. And before I pray, I always do the sign of the cross. You don't have to do that, but feel free to join me if you want or do whatever your faith does or doesn't do before prayer. And I always do my sign of the cross in Latin, crude Latin, my Latin, <laughs> you could say. And what I'm saying is in the name of the divine, the son and the Holy Spirit. And I say divine because I truly believe that. That which is all is transcendent of gender. It is everything and everything is it. So to put a label on it, even the divine, is, is a restricting thing. And I try not to do that as much as possible. So let us pray. In nomine divii, fili, 
Spiritus Sancti. So the prayer goes, Saint Andre, I come to you in prayer for healing. And here's where you state your intention on who needs the healing, the name of the person, whatever's going on. You were no stranger to illness, plagued by stomach problems. You knew suffering on a daily basis, but you never lost faith in God. Thousands of people have sought your healing touch as I do today. Pray that I might be restored to health in body, soul, and mind. With St. Joseph as my loving protector, strengthen my faith and give me peace that I might accept God's will for me no matter what the outcome. Amen. Okay, so if you all don't mind now, I'll go ahead and do a benediction or also it's known as a blessing. Uh, blessings to each and every one of you. O divine, there is nowhere where you are not. Help us to think, speak, and act from love and compassion and not our condition mind. As we walk, you walk. As we speak, you speak. As we think, you think. As we feel, you feel. May the divine shine upon and within you. May the divine hear and answer your prayers. May you experience divine love, compassion, and forgiveness. May your brokenness be healed and may you share that healing with others. May the divine bless you with peace, health, and love. In nomine, divi, fili, espiritus sancti. Amen. If you're still here, thank you very much for being here because you get a little treat. Well, I hope you consider it a little treat. Uh, this coming Wednesday, we have the final book nook of season three. It's a good one. They're all good ones, but this one's a good one as well. And it's one you won't want to miss. And it will air this coming Wednesday at 12 a.m. Eastern time. So Mark your calendars or follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. I so hope and pray that you all have enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you are searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, here and more. Please don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. A link can always be found in the show notes and show description. I'm always open to questions and suggestions. We have people listening from all over the world. There are amazing beings past and present in your country, society, and culture that we and the rest of the world do not know about, but we should. Please, please, please contact me and share these amazing beings so the world can learn about them. Next is prayers. I love to pray and our listeners love to pray. So let us pray for you. There are two ways that you can do this. The first is to email me directly at faithandmorepodcast. That's all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. The second way is through our website. There's a contact form on the website and you can find our website at Faith and More Podcast. Again, that's all one word. Faith and More Podcast. Wixsite. W I X S I T E. Dot com slash my dash site. S I T E. 
So until next week, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers. Bless you.